You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped. Who loves balls in their mouth? Um, I do. Who loves hairy balls in their mouth? Um, nobody. Which is why I'm in love with the new electric trimmer, the Manscaped Lawnmower 2.0, made especially for cleaning up unsightly man bush. Its revolutionary skin-safe technology won't nick or snag your nuts. So get yours at manscaped.com and use code HOLLY to get 20% off plus free shipping. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com and use code HOLLY for 20% off plus free shipping. Holly Randall Unfiltered is also brought to you by Adam and Eve. AdamandEve.com is like the biggest online superstore for all of your sex needs. They've got toys, they've got lingerie, they've got movies. It's pretty much a one-stop shop for everything sexy. Now, you'll get 10 free gifts when you order one item. Something for her, something for him, something you'll both enjoy, and six free movies, plus free shipping. All you have to do is enter code HOLLY at checkout. That's H-O-L-L-Y at adamandeve.com for your 10 free gifts. Today, my guest is Kendra Spade, and the timing of this interview is so fortuitous because she's just been crowned August Twisties Treat of the Month, which I, of course, had the honor of shooting. This was my first time working with her, and the first thing that struck me the most about Kendra was how incredibly grateful she was. The way she expressed her excitement about shooting with me, about becoming Treat of the Month, there were times where she was almost on the verge of tears, and I could see how much it all really meant to her, which made me feel good, like really good. It's girls like Kendra who remind me that my job is to make these girls feel special, And when I get it right, it's just the best feeling. So that was my first impression from shooting with Kendra. But there's a lot more to her, which I, of course, would probably never have discovered if I hadn't sat her down for an hour to talk to her about her life. As I've said many times before, this podcast really is a gift as it gives me the motivation and the opportunity to get to know the people I work with on a whole different level. So what else did I discover about Kendra? Well, she was raised Mormon, so her strict religious upbringing and appalling lack of sex education was quite shocking to me. Don't forget that I was raised in a very sexually liberated family, so when I meet people who grew up learning nothing about their bodies or sex, that always really surprises me. And Kendra is one of quite a few girls who came from a strict Mormon upbringing. So I'm always fascinated by the complete 180 degree turn these girls take from a famously sexually inhibited faith to possibly the most uninhibited job that you could find working in porn. Another little nugget about Kendra that I loved, her first job that actually opened up a path away from the Mormon church was not, in fact, porn like most of you would think. It was working in production behind the scenes on some very mainstream projects. It's obvious that from a young age, Kendra was skilled in that area and could have probably easily continued down that path into doing other production jobs. So for those of us who like to assume that the girls get into porn because they have no other options, no other skills, I don't think Kendra is one of those girls. She started working in porn because she, she wanted to, people. She could have probably easily found another career working in production, but she wanted to dip her toes into the adult industry. It's something that she said she always wanted to try. And who knows, after she feels performing has run its course, because not everybody can be in front of the camera forever, maybe she'll put those production skills to work behind the camera it'd be nice to have a few more women working on this side. So let's get to know Kendra Spade here on Holly Randall Unfiltered.
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, it's been a little bit, so uh, forgive me if I'm rusty. Um, I actually haven't done an interview in a few weeks. I did a bunch of back-to-back interviews. But today, um, I'm very excited to have um, Kendra Spade here uh, to break me back in. Yay! <laughs> How are you, Kendra? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And actually, we are going to, if you're a member of my Patreon, you'll kind of like pick up on this, but we're going to release this live feed on August 1st because at the moment it is July 26th mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about a secret that isn't going to be revealed until August <laughs> and that is that Kendra is the next Twisties Treat of the Month. Yay! Congratulations. Woo-hoo. Thank you. And I, of course, had the privilege of shooting it and um, I think, uh, how was your experience? Because I know. I think I did a great job. Just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, like, how, how was it for you? It was really surreal. I remember when I, I I've had, like, an interesting journey, like, becoming Kendra Spade. Mm-hmm. And when I first met Spiegler, I remember, no, maybe when I first signed with Spiegler. So I, when I signed with Spiegler. Who is signed, your agent, for those of you who don't know. Yes. He, I had been talking to him for six months because when I first met him, he was like, you need to lose 30 pounds and you need to do this. You need to do that. So finally it took me six months to do everything he wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. And he took me. And then I, I was looking at magazines and we were talking about girls that are like treat of the month or girl of the month or penthouse pet, Mm -hmm. whatever. And he's like, you'll never be one of those. You'll never have the look. And I just remember that like always resonated with me. I was like, always like, oh my God. And it made me insecure, mm-hmm. and it also made me feel like I was never going to be good enough to do any of those things. So mm-hmm. I was Girl of the Month for Girls Way in May, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to be Twisty Street of the Month for August. And that's like, I'm like, okay, I'm doing things. I'm not <laughs> I'm not totally, like, not cut out to do those things. So yeah. it's really nice. Oh, that's great. How did it make you feel when he told you that you had to lose 30 pounds at the beginning? Did you take that in a way, like, okay... Um, yes, you're right, and I'm willing to put in the work? Or, like, was, were you surprised by saying that? Because I have to admit, like, when a girl submits her pictures to me and if I think she's a little bit heavy for, like, what I'm going to shoot, and look, there's obviously different niches for all kinds of different girls, but, like, you know, for a glamorous site that has a very specific look, it's very difficult for me to say that. Because I think also, too, as a woman, like, I understand what it's like to battle with your weight. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm constantly like, ah, I'm so fat. Bah. I was like, like crying in the bathtub and eat a tub of ice cream. I'm like, why am I fat? Which I know I'm not fat, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we're so hard on ourselves. So like, how was that for you? And and how was that journey of, of losing 30 pounds? Because that's a lot. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I wanted to be a Spiegler girl so bad, mm-hmm. and I knew he had a reputation for being really, like, hard. This is how it is. Like, yeah. I'm going to do this. He doesn't or, cut, yeah, he's not full. He doesn't bullshit you, that's for sure. I didn't want to be with anyone else, so I was just like, all right, let's do it. Let's go. So I got a personal trainer, and I went in, and I was like, let's go. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really start to affect me mentally, I mm-hmm. think, until last summer when I was like, that's when I st- kept looking in the mirror and I kept seeing myself, like body dysmorphia. Mm. I kept seeing the same girl that came to Spiegler the first time. Mm-hmm. And I, like last summer, I, I got my weight was really, really, really low. Mm. Like a lot of people thought I was on drugs. Mm-hmm. I was down, I was 20 pounds lighter last summer than I am right now. Which is crazy because you're like perfect right now. Like I wouldn't tell you to lose a single pound. Thank you. I mean, honestly, I just shot you. And so I'm not bullshitting you. Like, you're, thank you. Like I would not think that you should so was there anything in particular that triggered that or was it just I think it was a combination of things one Spiegler just the way that he he's not a very um he'll never tell you that you're doing a good job Mm. but he'll tell you if you're doing a bad job okay and he'll always I don't know. He kind of has like that tough love type of yeah, totally way of about doing things. Yeah. So he would make jokes like mm. you're fat, you're chubby, mm. you need to lay off the carbs, mm-hmm. like you need to hit the gym, things like that. And it started to get in my head because I don't I don't know why it really just got to me so so much. And then I was doing a lot of anal. Mm-hmm. And so then I would get into the groove of just not eating all day. Mm. 
Mm. And then it would be like two days. And then I was like, oh, I haven't eaten anything at all in two days. Wow. And it was just like that for months. Yeah. 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 No, I totally understand um, how you feel about that. It's it's really hard. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like look perfect as women and to be skinny, and it feels like that's like the most important thing all the time, you know? Yeah. And it's and it, I think it's perpetuated also by social media. Like, doesn't help at all. Definitely, to see skinny people all the time, and you're just like, do you struggle with like body dysmorphia in a way? I mean, being in front of the camera all the time, you know, it can be really hard. Um, and it can be, it can be tough to, I think, not pick yourself apart. So do you ever feel like pressure to get a boob job or get like any kind of plastic surgery at all? Mm, no. <laughs> That's good. I, here's the thing. I know that as soon as I, if I do one thing, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do all of the things. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what's holding me back from doing anything at all. Right. Of course I would want, like, I love the idea of getting a boob job. I love the idea of getting a Brazilian butt lift mm-hmm. and filling in my hip dips or like doing everything, but mm-hmm. getting my lips done, mm-hmm. getting under eye filler. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love all of these ideas, but yeah. I'm only 21. Yeah. And my mom is 52 mm-hmm. and she looks amazing. She looks like she's in her thirties mm-hmm. and my mom has never done anything mm. at all. Yeah. She's never done night creams. She never like cares about wearing SPF or wow. like she just looks amazing. So yeah. I'm like, I'm worried if I get to 52 and I do things now, yeah. then I'm not going to look the way my mom does. Yeah. And then I'm like going to regret doing stuff so early on. That's really great that like you have a positive role model like that. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think I personally don't think you should get anything done, honestly. And I think sometimes when I see girls who are your age getting all this work done, it's just like, why, you know? And look, like I'm, I'm going to be 41 in a couple of months and I've definitely like had little things done. Like I've had like filler under my eyes and like, you know, filler in my cheeks a little bit to like, but I'm aging, but at your age, I would have never considered those things. Yeah. I think it's, I honestly think it's cool when like my friends get stuff done (laughs) or like I see other girls my age and social media doing it. I think it's cool that they want to do something and they have the money to do it. And they also like have the resources to do it Mm -hmm. because where I'm from, like a small town in Washington state, Mm -hmm. it's not really that accessible to get those things done. Yeah. So I'm just like, Oh, this is just Los Angeles. Yeah. 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 People are just getting stuff done because they want to and they can. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of amazing the resources that people have at their disposal now, like, you know, how far like plastic surgery has come and and how good it can be. I've seen people get work done where I'm just like, I mean, I saw a, um, a side by side comparison of, uh, Chloe Kardashian, like before and after, like how she looks now compared to like when she started and she looks like a completely different person. It's fucking nuts. <laughs> it's nuts, but like not bad. I mean, clearly like she's a fuck ton of money so she can get like really good work done. But it is kind of amazing now how you really can like change your entire look if you have the money. It's it's kind of nuts. Yeah. Something that also is a little bit non sequitur, but kind of related is I've been reading this book. It's called um, How to Break the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm. And it's really interesting. You can change, you can pay money to change like all of these things on the outside, Mm -hmm. but you can also rewire your brain and change the neurons in your brain Mm -hmm. just by like creating new habits and teaching yourself to think differently. That is, oh my God, that is so absolutely true. And I've definitely experienced that, you know, with my like journey through addiction and trying to get better and and working a 12 step program. Cause you're right. Like you create these pathways in your brain, depending on like how you think about things or the things that you do. And so when I was going through, um, like, it's interesting. I look at my experience now and my experience last year, like I had a really bad year last year and I was struggling with my addiction last year. And I have a friend right now who's going through like a lot of anxiety and the things that she's telling me now I can so relate to because I did the same thing last year. But one thing that um, my sponsor had me do, which at the time seemed so stupid, was write a gratitude list Mm. every day. Every single Every day. day. Yeah. And I would text it to, and I had another friend who did the same thing. I would text her my gratitude list. She would text me one back. And and you're right because when you start to put that in your brain, you start to think about the things that you do have as opposed to the things that you don't have. It completely 
after, but you have to do it like consistently for a while, like creating a new habit. Mm -hmm. Um, and it does absolutely change your perspective. It does. Yeah. And it's really, what is really cool to me is that even though last year was really hard for you, mm-hmm. now you have that experience and that perspective to help your friend that's yeah. like going through something that's relatable. Yeah. So like everything you go through, even though it can be hard, it's like for a reason. I Yeah. And same thing. I, um, I thought about that too. And I remember thinking about that when I was going through it at the time and I was like, all this pain that I'm going through right now, all this bullshit, like this is going to be ammo for me later. Like this experience is going to help me help somebody else. Like there's, there's gotta be like a positive yeah. side to this. Like, <laughs> right? A little emotional. Yeah. That's so true. So has that, have you experienced something like that? Have you like had that journey where you've, you know, your perspective has changed over time because of one thing or another? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like there have been a lot of things in my life that have helped me, even though they were like really hard at the time. Like, mm-hmm. my mom is an immigrant; she's from the Philippines, mm-hmm. and her mom was just like terrible mother, mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. And even now, she's just a crazy woman; <laughs> she's so insane. Yeah. And my mom, like, just seeing my grandmother and seeing how she parented my mom, and then like still continues to be around. She was just, like, not there for my mom. So mm-hmm. my mom didn't really know how to be a mother either. Mm. And then my dad never had a dad. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really know how to be a father. So, so neither of them had good role models. Not, like, they had the best intentions. Of course. But they just didn't really... They didn't really parent my siblings and I, and there's six of us. Mm-hmm. Um, my siblings have another dad, or a different dad than I do, but my dad is their stepdad, and he was around for a lot of their life. And... My, we just were kind of like on our own. Yeah. (laughs) Like we did a lot of things on our own and our mom was never emotionally available. And so I went through a weird time in high school because I didn't want, all my friends had a mom that was always there for them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want my friends to think that my mom wasn't there for them. So I would make up stories and like be this other person that had parents that were always there for me. And I would pretend like my mom cared about my grades, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. And that would like make me like work harder in school because oh, wow. I wanted people to think that my parents were pushing me, even though they never did. And I think that that lack of parent parental figure um, in my life really helps me understand my roommate better. Mm-hmm. Gia Durza. Mm-hmm. Because she ha- she's been through similar emotional experiences, even though our circumstances were very different. Mm-hmm. So we're able to relate, and mm-hmm. I'm able to be there for her on that, and she's able to be there for me. Mm. And I'm also able to be there with my siblings mm-hmm. who've been through a similar struggle. So, I don't know, that's just one of the many things that I've... Well, it's really amazing that you've taken that, and you've actually like turned it around, and you've become more self-aware because of that, and it seems like you've used that to like help you like navigate your life, you know, like, I mean, most people, um, wouldn't, you know, most people would be like, my mom wasn't there for me. Like she sucks. They wouldn't be like, Oh, my mom wasn't there for me because she didn't learn from her mother. You know what I mean? It's like, you seem to have like a, a better, more encompassing view of like the entire situation as opposed to just like playing the victim. Yeah. Which I think is really great. Thank you. I hate playing the victim. Yeah, because it's not going to get you anywhere. No. You're never going to, like, you're never going to grow. Yeah. You're never going to, you know. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's comforting to play the victim. It is. It Very is. Very comforting. Yes. But then afterward, it's like, wow, this is not that comfortable. No. And it's not It's not going to help you in the long run. Because, like, life is hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? It and, really like, is. it's not going to give you, like, what you want on a silver platter. you got to work for it. Yeah. And you have to grow and all of that. <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. I got like very heavy very quickly. <laughs> I know. We started with we started with eating disorder. Yeah. Wow. Surgery. What other really depressing shit can we talk about? <laughs> oh my god. Um, I do actually want to ask you about your upbringing though a little bit more because um 
I had you do like a little mini interview um, on set yes. and um, for my Patreon members. And we talked about how you grew up Mormon and how you had like no sexual education. <laughs> so can you elaborate on that just again a little bit for the people who are listening on the free platforms and didn't hear that interview? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to recount it word oh, for yeah. word. But... I remember I was talking about, I had like my little tampon story <laughs> Yes, <laughs> where um, you didn't know how to put a tampon I, in. Yeah, I literally... Okay, so let me start. I grew up in a Mormon household mm-hmm. because when my mom was in the Philippines, she was Catholic. Right. And then she met Mormon missionaries and they converted her. And then she came to America and was still Mormon. And then she went down a long journey and then she eventually had me. And Can I ask you just a quick question that's like not really relevant, but I'm just curious. Yeah. Has she ever seen the Book of Mormon? The musical? The musical? Fuck no. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, I want to. It's so good. I need to It's about to watch missionaries. It. I know. It's about Mormon. I'm just curious. I have friends, like Mormon friends mm-hmm. that have seen it and they love it. Yeah. Because they're not really that Mormon. But yeah. a lot of like hardcore Mormons, they, they hate it. They hate that. But you All know that kind of humor. They don't think it's funny. But you know what's funny, actually, what I noticed is in the playbill when I went and saw it, um, they have an ad for the Mormon church in there They're saying like, Okay, you know, now now get to learn like what we're really about. Like they paid and took out a fucking ad. I believe it. In the playbook for the play, which I thought was actually really clever. Yeah, the Mormon church is very rich. They yeah. have a lot of money. Yeah. They even built a mall in Utah with uh their tithing. Wow. Because all Mormons they pay ten percent of their income every yes. every month. And they used some of that to build a mall in Utah awesome. across from the temple. Is that where they sell the magic underwear? No. Is there magic underwear? I don't really know a lot. They do sell, they have the magic underwear in a store at the temple. Okay. So it's like on the temple grounds. Okay. I don't want to derail you from your story, (laughs) but I am curious about the magic underwear because I don't really know what that is. But okay, go on. So your mom was converted. Okay. Yeah. So she was converted and she uh, raised me Mormon Mm -hmm. and my older siblings were also Mormon. And then three of my older siblings went on missions. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's where you take like a year and a half to two years and go be completely disconnected from everyone that you know. And that's kind of, is that required or is that just like a very prestigious thing to do? It's like, it's not necessary for your salvation, but it is highly recommended. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you just said that. (laughs) You know, yeah, you won't necessarily go to hell if you don't go, but... It'll up your chances. You'll, yeah, you'll just really become more in tune with God. It's like you don't have to do double penetration to win Performer of the Year at <laughs> AVN, but it's recommended. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> because then um, there's this other thing where Mormons, like, when you're growing up, like, from 12 to 18, basically, and even younger, a big thing that they teach in the church is finding the one Mm. and they always like would have us make lists of like what we want in our significant other the person that we're gonna marry and one of the things like at the top that they always recommend is to marry an rm a return missionary Mm. (laughs) so like that's interesting they're like focused on building the family structure from a very young age very young wow okay and my sister i remember she was 18 she was dating this guy her high school sweetheart and she was talking to him and he wasn't mormon at the time and she was like i'll never marry you unless you're a return missionary and so then he converted to mormon so he got baptized he went on a mission then they got married in the temple wow like he went on a mission for two years to russia wow <laughs> like left so he could family. marry this girl yeah wow are they still together yeah oh they've been together it's kind of sweet for nine years in December. Wow. Wow. Well, married for yeah. nine years in December. That's that's love. Yeah. And they have four kids. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine doing that much for anybody. I know. <laughs> that's commitment. <laughs> really, it is. And I think that that, like, the list making mm-hmm. when we were in church and the constant never break the law of chastity which is to never masturbate or have sex or look at porn or do anything sexual or even have sexual thoughts right like they would teach us like if you have sexual thoughts or you hear music that is sexual then just turn it off and just start singing hymns in your head just start singing 
Jesus music in your head. It, you know, it's funny. Sorry, you, I don't want to keep, I won't keep referring back to this, but you've got to see the Book of Mormon because there's an <laughs> entire song called Turn It Off. And it's basically, and they say like a light switch, turn it off. Like if you ever have any like sexual feelings or if you ever have any guilt, basically any emotions, you just turn it off and they call it like a Mormon trick. Yeah. It's this whole like song and dance. And it's basically about like shutting off your emotions no, and re- not dealing with your issues. And yeah. just like, it's, it's really clever. I remember my mom, or not my mom, my teacher one time, like, in class, they, like, turned off the light to, like, show us, like, how easy it is to just turn it off. Oh, my God. Okay, so, see, I know nothing (laughs) about Mormonism, so this, like, wow, so these songs make so much more sense now, and that's why I think either people won't go see it if they're super Mormon, or if they were Mormon and aren't anymore, they enjoy it so much better, because there's a lot in there that are, like, I think, inside jokes that, like, me as somebody who was raised an actual atheist like doesn't get yeah so okay sorry all right that's really cool yeah you gotta go see I it i need to it's go see fucking it fucking amazing i have to it's so good i gotta go with my some of my mormon friends <laughs> yeah you guys will if you guys are like i gotta um, go with alina lopez yeah you got oh my god you guys will love it you really will i think i feel like alina said she saw it but i could be totally Maybe wrong she did Anyways, you could see it again. I would see it again. It's so good. Okay, sorry. We're not going to talk about the Book of Mormon the whole time. (laughs) Go on. So you were raised in a Mormon household. Yes. And we would, they would always talk to us at church about how important the law of chastity was. Mm. And then I would learn in school how um, important it was to stay abstinent. Like, just say no. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, like, I always was curious, like, where, how does the penetration happen? Like, Mm -hmm. how does sex actually happen? What, like, what is this? What is that? No one would ever answer my questions. Mm -hmm. I remember there was this, like, ask box when I was in fourth grade. And I was like, I didn't want the teacher to know that I asked this question, but I asked my mom. I'd ask, like, everyone that I could think of asking, and no one would tell me how sex happened. So I remember writing with my left hand because I didn't want her, because I'm right-handed, and I didn't want this man to know that it was me. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I wrote, how does sex happen? The teacher takes it out of the box. She's like, ask your parents. And I was like, fuck. I'm literally never going to know. I'm never going to know how sex happens. And I was like, internet. (laughs) That, my friends, is a great example of why we need real sex education in our schools. Oh, my fucking God. Okay, go on. So, internet. So, you went to the internet. Yeah. I went to the internet. And also, at the time, um, Girls Next Door. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that what it's called? Yeah, Girls the Next Girls Door, Next Door on... the Playboy. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, people actually do this as a job. That's so cool. Right. And I would, like, fantasize about doing that as a job. I was like, that's amazing. That's mm-hmm. so cool. And I also loved that there was, like, this one girl, and she was like, yeah, my family disowned me. Like, they hate this. And I was like, Yeah. I want to do something that my parents don't want me to do. Yeah, I want my family to disown me. That sounds awesome. Well, because they never told me what they wanted me yeah. to do. Yeah. So I was like, let me get your attention. I'll just do something you don't want me to do. Right. And, like, I don't know. It just... I also had, like, a, a childhood. Of, I was sexually abused when I was a child. Mm-hmm. So I was already curious because that door had been opened in my brain when I was very young. Yeah. So I just went through life not knowing as much about sex as I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Well, my childhood, not knowing as much. Well, I mean, I know. And what an incredibly confusing, well, first of all, obviously being having, being sexually abused as a child is fucking horrible, no matter what way you cut it. But then combine that with like complete lack of sexual education and nobody will talk to you about what sex is. That must have been insanely confusing for you. So confusing. Yeah. Really confusing. Yeah. So by the time I was 13, I lost my virginity. (laughs) (laughs) And how was that? Like, was it with somebody you were dating? Was it with someone you didn't know very well? Um, There was this boy that sat next to me in a leadership class. And, Mm -hmm. like, I was always the most, like, annoying, uppity bitch in class. Mm -hmm. One, if anyone needed the answers to something, I always had them Mm -hmm. because I just always knew. Mm -hmm. And I always studied. And I, like, in... In middle school, people were always like, oh, we can just ask her and she'll know. Mm-hmm. And I was always the first one to raise my hand. And mm-hmm. then, like, the teacher would never call on me. And it would I would always get so pissed because mm-hmm. the teacher knew I already knew. Yeah. And so I would piss this guy off that was sitting next to me. 
And he would piss me off because he was so stupid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're so dumb. Stop talking to me. And my teacher, she would always place me next to him because she knew it was like a challenge for me. And that was like one of her ways to challenge me. Interesting. Well, he broke up with his girlfriend at the time. I was 12. He was like 14, I think, or just turned 14 in eighth grade. And I was seventh. And he was like, I want to make her jealous. Will you be my fake girlfriend? And I was like, absolutely not. Fuck you. You're weird. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you're stupid. But then, like, he convinced me. He was like, come on, just be my fake girlfriend. And he would text me. And we would play Xbox together after school. (laughs) Whatever. And then, um, eventually, we were, like, fake boyfriend and girlfriend. But then, over time, he turned into my real boyfriend. Hmm. And um, I never kissed anyone. Um... And, like, he was my first everything, basically. Like, we held hands, he, we kissed, and then he started, like, we started doing everything when I was in seventh grade at the end of the year, and he was in eighth grade. And so then, eventually, um, I was like, let's have sex. And wow. he was like, let's have sex. And so we did. And then I stayed with him until I was, like, I think I was... 15 and then we broke up but then after like six or seven months we got back together and mm-hmm. we broke up when i was 18 so you were with him for a while yeah okay well i mean that's good because i remember i lost my virginity to this guy who was such oh he was the worst he was so mean to me he had zits all over his back so he wouldn't take his shirt off <gasps> and i remember i just had sex with him because like, all my friends had already kind of lost their virginity, and I felt like it was um, a race, yeah. you know? Like, I didn't want to be, like, the last one. And, and then I met my actual boyfriend that I dated for, like, the rest of my high school career after him. And I remember wishing I had waited for that guy because it would have meant something with him. Um, the guy I lost my virginity to was just, like, a fucking piece of shit, and I just did it just to do it. And I <laughs> wish I had, like – I wish I would waited for, like, the for Mark was my boyfriend. <laughs> but whatever. Anyways. I wish I had waited too. I wish that I hadn't had sex with him because I believe that the reason why I stayed with him is because while I was growing up, all of that hammering into my brain about how the person that you have sex with is the person you're supposed to marry and have mm. children with really stayed with me. Yeah. And I thought that I was going to marry him. I thought I was going to be with him forever. It sounds like they, it really encourages like emotionally stunting people. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So then how did you end up working in the adult industry? How did that lead into that? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of an interesting story. It's like a long process. I, so I've always been smart and I've always been like technologically advanced Mm -hmm. because I was born in 1998 and we've always had computers at our fingertips. And Sorry, I just graduated high school in 1996, <laughs> and it's just like every year people are like younger, and yo- it's okay, it's fine. It's not about me. Go on. Well, you don't look like you graduated in 1996, so that's Thanks. all that matters. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but anyway, I've always been advanced, and I have older sisters mm-hmm. that have friends mm-hmm. who have were always around, so they always knew that I was smart, and... Our, one of our friends had a product, her has a production company. Mm-hmm. And when I was 15, she was like, do you want to come up to Seattle and work with me for this, uh, for this event and, and do a video. Mm-hmm. So I was like doing a camera mm-hmm. and, or, or filming some, a dance competition. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I th- it's pretty straightforward. I think that you could do it. And I was like, okay. So I went up and I worked with her for a weekend and then she was like, oh, you're actually really good at this. And I was like, thank you. Um, I, I like the way that you run your business, but I think that you could be doing this, 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 and this differently. And she was like, you do? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, okay, come and work with me in California in like two months. Mm-hmm. Or no, first it was Portland and then it was California or something. So I worked with her for a few more events. And then she was like, what else do you think I could be doing? Like, what do you think about this? And so I just like would give her my tips. You're, you're 15 I was at 15 the at the time. Jesus Christ. And then I turned 16. So... Like, I was just working with her, and I was like, oh, you could be doing this differently, or have you ever considered using these applications, or doing this, or doing this, or bringing in these? And she was just like, oh. And eventually, all of the suggestions that I made upped her yearly revenue by $100,000. So then she's like, okay, we're serious about working with you. Like, let's bring you in for doing more things. And then I was like, soon she was letting me manage the events, and she was, like, giving me more responsibilities. And um, 
when I was 18, I went to a semester of college and I was in Washington, D.C. with them at an event. And it was like we, we traveled all over. We went to Chicago, different mm-hmm. places in Canada, different places in the United States, Hawaii, Mexico. And she was like, you know, you could work with us in Long Beach. You could move down there and, and do community college down there. It's way cheaper than in Washington. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So right after our event in Washington, D.C., I moved to California like two weeks later. Wow. And started working with them full time. Right. In Long Beach. And I was just living with her and her husband and her child. And eventually, um, we weren't working as much as I thought that we were. And also, I wasn't digging working with them anymore. Mm. And I don't think she was digging working with me anymore either because we were living together. I was going to say, like, that's, that's It was tough. such a headache. Yeah. She was like, I'm, what else can you do? Like, what else should you do? So I was, like, looking for jobs. And I was, I was about to start going to school. And I got this waitressing job. But then I didn't want to do it. And it was just like... I don't know. So then it was Easter and I was driving to San Bernardino to be with family. Mm -hmm. And I saw this billboard for strippers, like hot girls wanted type Mm -hmm. ad. And I was like, Oh, I forgot that porn was shot here in California. Mm. I forgot that there are strippers. And I was like, well, I can't dance. So I can't be a stripper. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, but maybe I can do porn. I've always thought about doing porn. There's a reason why it's always been popping up in my head. Right. Why when I was 10, I was seeing uh, girls next door. Uh-huh. I was like, let's see what I can find. So I went on the internet and like a Craigslist ad came up and I was like, oh, let's do this. And then it was, I went and it was like this crazy person. It wasn't like a real legitimate thing. What? On Craigslist? Yeah. No way. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know where to unbelievable. go. I didn't know where to go. I know. I'm sorry. Everybody, <laughs> like, I, I can't tell you how many girls I've interviewed who've like Craigslist. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I, I knew about Asa Akira. I knew mm-hmm. about Christina Rose. And I knew about Mark Spiegler. Mm-hmm. But it, to me, in my head, they were unattainable. I didn't think that there was any way that I could get in with them. And I thought you had to be like handpicked by Mark Spiegler to be a Spiegler girl. You kind of do. Well, he doesn't scout girls. Right, right, Girls right. scout him. Yes, but, like, he chooses whether or not to represent Definitely. You. Yes. So then I was like, well, that's not going to happen for me. But, uh, so then I went on Craigslist again, found another ad. <laughs> Actually, I responded to, like, two, two other ads. And then uh-huh. the third ad that I responded to was with NetVideo Girls. Okay. And I worked with them for the okay. first time. And then I worked with them for, like, 20 scenes. Mm-hmm. And then... By the time after my first scene with them, I called Mark Spiegler because I realized that I could because mm-hmm. his phone number is on his website. Yeah, he told me to lose thirty pounds, told me to do this, this, and this, and call me when I was done with NetVideo Girls. Uh huh. And then had you signed a contract with them? I didn't sign a contract with them, but they wanted me to work exclusively with them. Okay. So there was no contract. So it was like a I, handshake contract. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then eventually by October, so that, I did all that Craigslist stuff in June, mm-hmm. and then by October I was with Spiegler. Wow. So that's kind of yeah. how I ended up here. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I'm going to ask you a little bit more. I want to hear about like your first scene. That's always a, that's always like a good, curious <laughs> question that I have. And then um, we're, going to, we're going to talk a little more about uh, Kendra's Bade and her journey. Let's do it. Okay. We'll be right back. Over 20 years in the adult industry, and I've seen a lot of naked people. In my line of work, making sure your private parts look their best is absolutely required. An unmanicured man bush is a huge no-no, whether you're getting naked in front of the camera or just in front of your sex partner. However, the landscape of male genitalia can be tricky to navigate, which is why I'm loving this new trimmer, Manscaped. The Manscaped Lawn Mower 2.0 will not only get you cleaned up without nicks or snags, but it also comes with an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. My boyfriend just used it, and let's just say it was, it was lovely. This is the perfect gift for your man. Or, if you're a man, treat yourself to this revolutionary new electric trimmer. Go to manscaped.com and use my code HOLLY to get 20% off with free shipping. That's manscaped.com, M-A-N, S-C-A-P-E-D dot com and use my code H-O-L-L-Y to get 20% off plus free shipping. You won't regret it. Okay, so we're back. 
So Kendra, um, tell me, can you tell me about your first scene that you've ever shot? Cause I feel like that's always like an interesting story. So it's really interesting because I guess for the first like year of my career, I didn't feel like the first scene that I shot with that video girls was actually my first scene mm. because I worked for them for 20 scenes and they were always like, this isn't porn. This isn't like, like it is porn. It's a pornographic thing, but it's like, you don't really know that it's porn. Your character is not supposed to know. And also I just didn't feel like, like after I started shooting other porn, it just didn't feel like the same experience that I have on other sets because net video girls is so different. They only work with amateur girls. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is that the ad that I responded to on Craigslist actually wasn't posted by net video girls. It was posted by, uh, ideal image models. Okay. Yeah. I know who they are. And, um, so they posted it, and then the guy that I was in contact with, I didn't realize that he was actually going to be the talent. Mm. And he was—he didn't—he didn't make me feel like he was going to be the talent either. And he was like, he drove. So I met him um, at this place, and then we drove from where we met to the actual shoot. And the entire time that we were in the car, he was referring to the male talent as a third person instead of referring to himself. Oh, that's weird. Isn't that so weird? Yeah, that's really weird. And so I didn't even realize that I was actually going to be having sex with him until, I don't know, like 10 minutes before we started shooting. <sighs> that's weird. That, I'm sorry. That's, it that's fucking really, weird. It was really, really, really strange. Yeah. Like, to be around this person for literally hours before you start shooting, and then mm -hmm. to know that he's your talent? Like, that's so that's so weird. I feel like it would have been... I mean, it would have been so much better for him to reveal that he was the talent at the beginning, besides just being, like, I feel like that's the obvious thing that you should do. But also, too, like, you guys could have a conversation about how you felt about doing the scene, like, what your experience was with sex, um, what you liked, what you didn't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he could have used that time to make you feel comfortable having sex with him. Yeah. But instead he pretended like that wasn't him. That's so bizarre. I think maybe for production value or like for the way that it looked or for the, they actually wanted me to be a little bit uncomfortable because now when you see the scene back, yeah. it, it I look weirded out. I look like what... Because, like I said, remember when I said that I saw the ad for the strippers and I was like, well, I, I can't dance. So that's yeah. all. I really can't dance. And I remember they had me up against this wall and they're like, okay, you're auditioning for a music video. And I was like, I would never do this. I oh, can't God. dance. And they're like, show us your best moves. And I was like... I don't have any <laughs> in my head. I was like, I don't have any fucking moves. <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, oh, okay. So I was just like trying, but it was really yeah mortifying. There, there are definitely some sites that like that. That's their thing is that like getting brand new girls who don't know what they're doing and that being uncomfortable and feeling out of place and all that is like part of the fetish. I think. But like, I love it because I love net video girls. Really? Yeah. I love the I love the owner of the company. Mm hmm. I still work with them. Mm -hmm. I love them so much. Mm -hmm. And I, I see where they were going with yeah. it. And I, I don't have appreciation for it. Even yeah. though it was weird because of the guy that didn't tell me he was my talent. Yeah. Which I believe was his fault, not the company's fault. Right. And so then the scene was a little, like uncomfortable for me. Right. He was weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, since then I've had great experiences with that company. But then... Um, during the scene, it was, like, so surreal for me that I was doing porn. I can't really remember it very well. Mm -hmm. But I do remember that I was uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. I feel like, well, actually, that's not true. I've had some people on who said that their first scene was, like, amazing and they knew that they were in the right place. But I feel like it's probably a lot of girls. Yeah. It's uncomfortable because it's, it's a weird thing to have sex on camera in front of a bunch of strangers. Yeah. Like, if you, it, it is unusual. Yeah. So it's understandable that you would have felt that way. But then the first scene that Spiegler booked before that wasn't for Net Video Girls, mm. it was for kink.com. Mm. <laughs> a boy, girl, girl, anal with Marcus Dupree and oh Maya my Kendrick. God. That was my first scene that Spiegler booked me for. Yeah. And that felt like my first porn scene. Yeah. I, at the time, I considered that my first porn scene. Right. And because that's all that I wanted to do. The Net Video Girl stuff I felt was amateur and that wasn't like the the porn that I had envisioned myself shooting. Right. So when Spiegler finally booked me for this kink shoot, mm -hmm. kink, a company that I had 
that was like the main company I wanted to shoot for. Really? Yeah. And so I, you wanted to do like hardcore stuff off the bat. Yeah. Spiegler like only takes girls that do hardcore. Mm-hmm. So, and were you happy with that scene that you did with Kink? I mean, I know Kink has a wonderful reputation for being really good about like respecting girls' boundaries and making sure that everybody feels comfortable and taken care of on set. Yeah. Is that the kind of experience that you had? Yeah. I, I loved, I loved that day. That was a, that was a beautiful day. I, that day I was like, I'm meant to be doing this. I'm meant to be doing porn and I'm very excited that I'm, I even felt that way from my first shoot mm-hmm. with net video girls, even though I was like uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I still like, they had great praises for me and I felt like I really did know how to have sex and I really was doing the right thing. Right. Right. Um, so what do you think is, do you have like a favorite scene that you've done that you think is like, just if anybody was to check out, like, you know, what, if they wanted to get to know you as a performer, are there any particular scenes that you would tell people to go watch? So I have been asked this question so many times and I always think about this scene that I filmed almost a year ago, but Mm -hmm. I still haven't seen it be released, but it's finally available for pre-order. It's elegant angels, Asian bombshells, four mm-hmm. i believe i'm on the cover of it and that scene with rob piper it's a it's a boy girl anal scene it was probably the best scene i've ever shot really yeah why was it so good because i really lost myself in the scene like mm. i mean like i just lost the whole i didn't feel like i was performing at all i just mm-hmm. felt like i was just like having sex with rob piper and mm-hmm. it was just incredible yeah and amazing and yeah. I, I loved it so much. And like afterward, I was just like crying and crying because it yeah. was just so like good and like yeah. it felt so good and natural. It's so funny because I had Rob Piper on the podcast and he talked about how sometimes he's done scene with girl, scenes with girls where like they've become overcome with emotion afterwards because they got like so into it. And that was how like his, the, his favorite kinds of scenes. So I'm sure in his head he was thinking about that scene with you when he said that. I love Rob. <laughs> Rob's great. I love him too. He's a really good guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we always talk, we always talk about that scene and we're always like, when, when are we ever going to see it? That's crazy that they haven't released it yet. Yeah. I, well, what happened was they originally shot it for a, they originally shot it for a different DVD. Mm. And what Pat decided to do was shoot scenes that weren't necessarily IR mm-hmm. or, white guys just Mm -hmm. like to shoot just like regular scenes and when they went to go sell it to hustler hustler's like no you can't do that you can we'll only accept all ir movies or no ir movies yeah it's i you know i i actually had that i had my district my agent who does my distribution for my dvd line um send me a note about that once saying like just it was a general overall note to all of the people that they work with like all IR scenes have to be like in one DVD. And I like got super pissed about that. And I was like, that's ridiculous. You know, like, because I had been banking, I don't release that many DVDs. I do maybe like two a year, if even that. Um, And one of the scenes that I had shot was Alexis Fox with Isaiah Maxwell. And I had asked her, because I do this all the time whenever I shoot girls from my own company, I always say, who do you want to work with? Because I always, I let the girls pick because I want it to be someone they like. And she asked for Isaiah and I purposely like shot that scene as like not an IR scene meaning like I didn't cast him in any kind of role that was like some stereotypical like black guy role and I didn't like I specifically just wanted to shoot a hot scene between two people who liked each other yeah and so when they were like oh it has to be categorized in this I was like fuck that it's going in my DVD with all my other scenes with you know like people of like, it's not, I'm not putting it, I'm not doing an IR title. Like, well, yeah. I'm not. And they were like, okay. But I was, like, so angry that that was, like, that I was told that. But I guess they have to, like, niche things because that's how they sell it. But it, it is frustrating, and I feel it's really, like, antiquated. Yeah, it's it's very antiquated thinking, for sure. Do you ever feel like you get, like, pigeonholed into, like, Asian roles? Every single role. And does it frustrate you? Every day. All the time. Every day. And even if it's not an Asian scene, it will still be promoted as an Asian scene. Mm. Whatever. Yeah. I, I'm, it, I, I'm lucky because I'm only half Asian. So mm-hmm. they'll still cast me like 
they'll still cast me in Girl Next Door, mm-hmm. and they'll still cast me as not Asian. So the companies will be like, okay, you're not just Asian. You're also kind of white. But then, <laughs> you're something else besides yeah. just being – well, that's good to know. And, and maybe maybe you're Latina. Not sure. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Dude, were you at the AVN Awards when that comedian um, – asked Vicky Chase something about uh, being like an Asian performer and she's Mexican. Yeah, I know. And she was like, I'm Mexican. And I was like, oh God, this is terrible. No, that still happens all the time to her. It happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why I wanted my treat of the month shoot to be like Asian style, like cherry blossoms, which are not even Filipino at all. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, Okay, good. I'm like, glad that I'm kind of glad that those were your choices because as you were saying, like, yeah, I always get fetishized as being Asian. I'm like, oh, your treat of the month shoot. We had like fans and like cherry blossoms. I'm like, was was that bad? But okay, that was your request. <laughs> that was my request. That's good. <laughs> I asked for that because I was like, well, maybe to an extent, the reason why they do that is because they believe that's how it will sell the best. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can just embrace who I am. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I don't think we shot you like super in like an Asian way. I just, for me, like when I was presented with the concept, it was like Kendra wants a lot of flowers and a lot of color and very like romantic. And I was like, okay, this is great. So I didn't even really think about that until, honestly, I didn't really think about it until you brought the fans out. And then I was like, oh, but then I was like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yes, yeah. Oh my god, that was a that was a fun shoot. <clears throat> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and the girl girl was uh, that was interesting too. Remember when we the drive there and it was like so foggy and overcast. Yes. And yeah, we all thought we were going to drive off the road. I know. Yeah, that was and gnarly. Gia still doesn't drive. Uh huh. And like, I need to. I have to teach her how to drive. And like, she's like, I don't want to learn how to drive if I have to do stuff like this. <laughs> I was literally looking at the GPS to know when the road would turn. Yeah. It's really funny because that day was really overcast. Like, I mean, obviously all over Malibu. And that day there was a bunch of girls who shot a movie for, I want to say it was maybe Sweet Sinner. Mm-hmm. And it, I know Alexis Fox talked about it and... Who else was – there was someone else. And they all told me about that day, like, trying to drive home in the fog, and it was so crazy. And it was the same day that we shot our mm. scene. And I was like, yes, we experienced the same problem with yeah. the fog and, like, not being able to, like, see off the side of the road and stuff like that. So it's kind of funny. It was, like – that was a day that, like, a lot of people had yeah. problems driving in Malibu. Yeah. So we weren't the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what you'll do to make a porno. Hey, I mean – what are you going to do? Like, I'm sorry, I can't come to work today. The road's foggy. I'm not going to make it. Like, you can't do that, especially if you're a Spiegler girl. Like, no fucking way. you got to go. Yeah. Just, just just, look at the lines on the road and just drive slow. That's all you yeah, can do. You know? Exactly. It is what it is. Um, So, what do you, how long have you been in the industry now? I started with Net Video Girls in June 2017. Okay, so, like, two years. Yeah, but technically, I didn't start with Spiegler till. Uh, like Halloween 2017. Okay. So okay. I think that's when people generally recognize me as beginning right. in the industry. Right. And how has the whole journey been for you? Like, is there anything, I mean, I know you're only like about two years in, but is there anything that you know now that you kind of wish you had known at the beginning? Is there anything that like you've learned from the industry that, that has impacted you? There are definitely things that I want girls to know. Mm-hmm when they're beginning, but there is nothing that I wish I could change. Right. I, I think that it's really important not to shit where you eat. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known that before. You mean dating in the industry? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because Spiegler really drilled that into me and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm only going to listen to you, dad. Like I promise. But then I didn't. And I was just like, but it, okay, but on the flip side of the coin, and we won't go into detail, um, it's hard to not date in the industry because if, because first of all, those are like all the people that you, like you spend time with and there's a camaraderie between performers because there is. we're all kind of the black sheep of the entertainment yeah. industry and the stigma of doing porn. And especially I think dating, I'm sure it's probably difficult to date people outside of the industry because a lot of guys yeah. can't handle what you do for a living. Yeah. I think it's even harder to date outside of the industry than it is to date inside. Absolutely. Yeah. There's pitfalls on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've, 
only I only dated one person in the industry, but he was a writer for AVN. We're still friends, actually, but otherwise, I've never dated in the industry. But it's different for me because yeah. I'm, you know, I work behind the scenes. I think being a performer, it's a completely different story for you. I mean, are you trying to date at all, or are you just like not no, even about that? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a date at the gym. <laughs> yeah, no, no. No, no, no. I want to ask you too about um, about your technical like skills and know how because you talk, mentioned earlier that you were doing camera work uh-huh. for this production company. Have you ever thought about doing camera work in porn? Have you thought about moving behind the scenes at all at any point? I was also doing uh, video editing in Premiere, so I know how to use Premiere. Okay, um, for wedding videos, you know, yes. I don't think I will be performing forever, but mm-hmm. I do think I will be in porn forever. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that I'll transition to behind the camera. I do shoot my own content and I do, uh, I do Snapchat or whatever, Yeah, but that's obviously more amateur. I think that I will eventually start directing. Right. Um, <clears throat> I, I will just say like right now that there is like a big need for camera operators in the adult industry, I know that a lot of people like are low on that. So I feel like there's definitely room for you in that arena. Should you want to take it? I know Mike Quasar like complains that like <laughs> he's, he's too much work. He's like, he has to turn down jobs all the time. Yeah. And I have people ask me to work for them, but I'm as a camera operator, but I generally like don't. Yeah. I only direct and produce my own stuff. And I'm also like, I don't want to work more than like two to three days a week. Yeah. Cause you know, Quality I got life. Other, and I got other stuff going on, like the podcast and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't really have time to – I can't work like seven days a week just doing camera for people. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, should you ever like want to explore that, I feel like people would – and also too, I think being a woman will be helpful for you because it will be – it will make a lot of girls more comfortable and it's always nice to have more females on set. I think there's Definitely. a lot of sets that could really benefit from having more women on set. Yeah. I think that – eventually I'm it's weird because my schedule is so weird so I can't do yeah. everything that I want to do <clears throat> yeah this is true being with Spiegler you have to take a job if he has gets a job for you it doesn't matter yeah. what you have planned that day which we were talking about earlier because you were like you weren't sure if you were gonna be able to do this podcast because if he called you this morning and he was like you have a gig I have a gig for you like you have to go do that which as I was saying I understand because as a producer this is why we love Spiegler because yeah. like if we have a cancellation literally he's like my first guy that I call I'm like whoever Spiegler has and if she's not shooting that day like she's available like I know I can rely on him I don't need to call cuz other agents have to call them and they have to try to reach the girl even if she shows us off that day mm-hmm. they have to try to reach her hope she like answers her phone cuz usually this is in the morning she might yeah. be sleeping she might have other plans so it's going to take them like an hour, maybe more to get back to me. And I'm like on set, like paying money for this location, mm-hmm. waiting to get a replacement. Whereas if I call Spiegler and he's like, this person's available, like I'll have her to you in half an hour. Like I know he will. Yeah. Which is a godsend. Yeah. I found out like two, I've, I've been just like chilling and found out you have to be at the airport in a, in one hour. You're yeah. going to Vegas and you're not coming back until tomorrow. Yeah. Like that's how it is. Yeah. If you want to be a Spiegler girl, that's the rules. And everybody knows that going into it. But it's really nice. Yeah. It's really nice to make an unexpected, like an extra couple thousand dollars yeah. without even expecting it. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't, there's no, where else can a 21 year old make that much unexpected cash? Yeah. Where? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. And also to the independence that it gives you. Um, that actually kind of leads me to um, my last question that I want to ask you, because this is something that's come up in other uh, interviews. What do you think about the fact that some people think that the minimum age for doing porn should be 21, not 18? Because you got in before you turned 21, right? I got in a few weeks after I turned 19. So how do you feel about that? Because my – I mean, on the surface, I, I can see that because I know a lot of young girls who have not really thought about what they're doing and what they're getting themselves into because it is – I mean, this is going to affect you for the rest of your life, right? Like, we all know that. Yeah. Um, and they don't really think about it, and then they do it, and then they regret it. Um, whereas I think sometimes when you're older, you, like, are sometimes more mature and make better decisions. But that is not always the case. Yeah. But I, I, on the other hand, I also know that it's been 
a really beneficial thing for some young girls. It's gotten them out of bad situations, allowed them to become independent, financially independent, do their own thing. And, you know, there are some girls that I know, 19-year-old girls that are more emotionally mature than some 30-year-old girls I know. So how do you feel about that, having gotten into the industry before you were 21 and being 21 now? Like, do you think that you would have made better decisions now at your age than you did back then? I'm I'm tired of humans trying to protect other humans by making rules, mm. legislation or laws or, you know, just everything like restrictions. I'm so tired of that mm-hmm. because when I was 18, I knew more like I've, I knew more information. I had more information and I was more emotionally mature and at a higher intellectual level mm-hmm. than a lot of 30 year olds, like you said. Yeah. So like, and I, I met 25 year olds in porn that I think have no idea what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. I don't think that there should be any sort of age raise mm-hmm. for the restriction of when you can get into porn. Mm-hmm. I think that if you get into this and you're not ready for it, that is a battle that you're going to have to fight on your own. Right. Like there are resources and a lot of people want to help you and will help you, but we can't just be looking to make all of these rules for people because we know what's better than like better for them mm-hmm. than they, than they know for themselves. Mm-hmm. If they make a decision that's going to negatively impact their life, they have to deal with the consequences. Mm-hmm. It's not our responsibility to look out and be like, Oh, you're not going to be able to see the road. So no one can ever drive in the fog. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, look at that analogy you just pulled out of your ass right there. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. Um, I I think that that's a really um, intelligent response to that. I've actually never had anybody kind of put it that way. And, um, I mean, it's obvious that you're intelligent. And it's obvious to me you talking about the decisions, like how – how we discussed earlier, the way that you saw your mom and, you know, maybe the struggles that she had are a result of like her not knowing better. I mean, it seems to me like you've always had like an emotional intelligence and you've always had like an awareness that other people lack. Um, so I think that you're probably a great example of that counter argument, you know, saying like that you sh- need to be a certain age in order to make good decisions. Cause it seems to me like you feel like you've made the right decision. And like Thank I said, you. I know other people too. Um, and it's probably frustrating as well. And it's, it's interesting cause I'm, I'm clearly older now. Um, but it, it also must be frustrating too, being younger and having people sometimes tell you like, you don't know what's best for you because you're not old <laughs> enough. Right. Do you get that? It's almost like, and there is a certain, there is something to be said, like we all do like grow wiser as yeah, we grow older. That sure. definitely happens to all of us. You know, like yeah. I'm definitely wiser than I was when I was your age definitely. for sure. But that doesn't mean that like, you don't know, what you're, you're not a child. Yeah. I mean, the best example is guys under 35 mm-hmm. acting like women at 20 are more immature than they are. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, women mature faster than men. Yeah. So like, I, that's like a great example. Like people will say, oh, just because you have less years than me, I know more than you. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Yeah. And I think that a lot of things too, that we have to account for is like people's life experience Definitely. and um, their environment because, you know, some people are really sheltered Yeah, and they, so at a certain age, they're going to know a lot less than somebody who's much younger, who's been had a lot of life experiences that have taught them things faster than other people, I would say. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Well, Kendra, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, you're, Holly. Um, you're a really smart girl. Thank and you. And I'm really grateful that you came on and, and shared your story with us. I'm really grateful that I came on too. And I can, remember when I it was like, think December, 2017, or maybe it was January, 2018. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting at a table next to you and I'd been listening to your podcast. You were like at the table over and I was looking at you and I was like, Oh my God, it's Holly Randall. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if I'll ever be on her podcast one day. Oh my and God. Now I am. And I now I'm Twisty's Street of the Month. Yes, you, you are. It. I did. I love that. That's so great. I mean, I love hearing about, you know, what people think of me, but I'm, only if it's good though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's funny. Cause like, whatever, it's not about me, but I'm gonna make it about me for a second. I really don't think I'm a big deal. So like when I hear stuff like that, it always surprises me. So, but thank you. I, I, I'll take the ego boost anytime. Thank you. And thank you, um, for giving us your time. And can you tell everybody, um, where they can find you on social media, plug any links that you want to plug, all that kind of good stuff. 
So my Instagram is K-E Spade. My Twitter is Kendra Spade. You can add me on Snapchat at AdKendra, or you can buy my premium Snapchat at AdKendra.com. Fantastic. And you guys can follow me at Holly Randall on Twitter and on Instagram. And obviously, if you want to support this podcast, go to Patreon.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. Thank you again, Kendra. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Just your weekly reminder to join my Patreon to support this podcast. That's patreon.com slash Unfiltered, where you get access to the live behind the scenes tapings of these shows, my new bonus podcast called My LA Porn Life, as well as behind the scenes exclusive interviews with some of your favorite stars. And also a second reminder to, you know, Rate me five stars on iTunes and leave me a review if that is the platform that you use. Also, my website, hollyrandallunfiltered.com, has so much more about my podcast if you just can't get enough. And also, don't forget to visit my website, hollyrandall.com, which is actually my membership site where I have a lot of sexy content going back over a decade. So you definitely want to go check that out. Next week on the podcast, I have Carmen Karma. Carmen just recently wrote a book called Overcome. It's about her journey into and away from addiction, how she got into porn, um, her traumatic childhood, and it actually very quickly jumped to the number one bestseller list on Amazon. So fucking go, Karma. That's amazing. We're going to sit down and talk about the childhood that prompted her to write this book, the kind of healing that she experienced by writing this book, her issues with addiction, how she got through it, and how she manages being a porn star and also balancing being a mom as well. So this is going to be a really interesting interview. So make sure that you come back next week for Carmen Karma on Holly Randall Unfiltered. <laughs>